Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Meghla Bhardwaj, and today we're going to be talking about a really important topic that is often overlooked by Amazon sellers, especially people who are just starting out, and that is quality control and inspections. And to talk about this, I have with me Rahul Chavla from Kima, that was formerly Asia Inspection. Hey, Rahul, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Meghla. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. So um, today we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, inspections and quality control and how Amazon sellers can make sure that products that they source from either China or India um, comply with, you know, all of the regulations, requirements, and also uh, the quality is consistent. So before we go into all of that, Rahul, you know, Mm -hmm. why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you end up uh, working in the QC industry? Ah, interesting. So uh, just to introduce myself, uh, my name is Rahul Chavla and I work as a senior business development manager at Kima. Uh, how I ended up in QC? Well, uh, honestly, I'm a Tesla engineer to give you the background about myself. Uh, so after graduating, uh, I did not wish to go into a typical textile mill and I thought of you know doing something else. Uh, so I ended up working with a big QC company in New Delhi. And yeah, that's how I started uh, working in QC 11 years ago. Okay. And And you're currently based in China, right? Yes. So I'm in Shenzhen, China, which is uh, the biggest office for Kima, besides the Hong Kong being our head office and other 20 offices. So Shenzhen is the biggest operations office uh, for Kima, where I'm based. How how long have you been in Shenzhen? This is my fifth year now. Okay. Awesome. Do you speak Chinese now? Uh, a little, 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 yeah, that's all we, we learned the first thing. (laughs) Exactly. And Kian, which was like, make it cheaper. (laughs) Yeah. Make it cheaper. Hanguila, it's too expensive. Too expensive. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Okay. So, you know, Rahul, you've been working with so many Amazon sellers over the years. Like I see you in, you know, practically all the networking events and conferences, uh, especially in Hong Kong and uh, um, Shenzhen, Guangzhou. So, you know, talking to Amazon sellers and, and working with them, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see Amazon mm-hmm. sellers making when it comes to product quality or, um, you know, inspections when mm-hmm. they're sourcing private label products from China or India? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in broader terms, if you ask me, the most common would be uh, the communication and clarity of expectations. Now, when I say communication, clarity of expectations, uh, of course, you know, the sellers, they know what the product they have to sell, where they have to source from. But when they, you know, communicate with the, with the supplier, the factory, most of the, of the time, they're not very clear what they expect the product to be. Like they will say, okay, I need, I need a leather wallet. Now, what exactly you want into it? What kind of quality you expect? So uh, in my opinion, I always advise the sellers that not just the product specifications, but in the beginning itself, you should tell them the quality parameters also. Define them clearly from the beginning itself. Share it with the supplier so that they are well informed that, okay, uh, this is the quality parameters that they have to follow. These are the different classifications and everything. And uh, if you remember, a lot of times it's been spoken about, about the supplier contracts. Now, we always uh, see the experts advising that those contracts should be in Chinese and also in English. The same way, I highly advise all these product specifications, quality parameters, everything should also be translated into Chinese and given to the factories because maybe the factory owner or one or two more people might know English and they would understand, 
but the real person on the production line they may not know china uh, english sorry english so it's important that you tell them in chinese also give them a document so that they know exactly so most common what i see most sellers they don't tell the supplier in very detailed manner what they expect right that's the first thing uh the second thing is the on the contact level again it's important that the factory the supplier are told are told well in advance that look we are going to pay for the first inspection or the first lab test but if things go wrong you got to pay for the reinspection or the rework or retesting because then they get more serious if you don't tell them in advance either they will not be serious or they will come back to you again and ask you to pay if you ask for a reinspection or or retest which going to be expensive probably sometimes for you if it is you know happening again and again some suppliers they tend to rework two times three times and it's going to be a mess okay so that's the first thing in terms of communication uh the second thing and this happens more than the first thing is asking the sourcing company the factory itself a logistics company to do the inspection you know now this is the worst situation why because of course if i'm a supplier to you say you are a seller you give me an order for a product now why would i show you a defect if i tell you that the defects you might cancel the order i will lose my business even if it's a sourcing company they will, they they are paid some commission they will lose their commission if it's a logistics company they will lose the the logistics you know part of the business so it's always advisable that a third party inspection company is hired to do the inspection so and look every every company has got its own expertise in their own service logistics guys are very good at logistics they know what they're doing right sourcing guys are very good at sourcing okay so in my opinion all these individual processes should be separated into separate companies right yeah that makes total sense and um you know talking about your first point communicating product uh, mm. specifications i think that's just so important yeah. uh, and it's little things like you know specifying the color that you want because yes. sometimes um you know buyers would say i want a deep yellow or a dark yeah. green yeah. but there are so many shades of green yeah. and yellow right yeah. so you've got to make yeah. sure that you're absolutely clear yeah. and you give the actual pantone code of that exactly. to the supplier exactly. so it's things yeah. like that yeah yeah totally give them the pantone code even the the defect classification now maybe a 2 cm scratch is nothing for you okay but maybe 5 cm scratch is critical okay mm -hmm. make sure you tell them because the guys at the actual production line will take care of those things accordingly from the beginning itself you know so i would say don't be a fire fighter you know be proactive tell them in advance Right. Okay, great. So, um, you know, you've also worked with, of course, a lot of uh, brands and retailers. So, yes. what are some of the differences that you see between how Amazon mm -hmm. sellers approach quality and how big brands and retailers manage quality? Well, uh, that's a big difference, uh, and the biggest difference is because most of the Amazon sellers are small businesses. take away the six figure seven figure sellers most of them are smaller now their challenges because they are one person company maybe two or three person company at the max and they are not technical enough people they are more like business oriented people 
maybe they will have someone good at sourcing but when it comes to quality management or uh, certification testing and so on those topics they don't have enough expertise or knowledge base unlike the retailers like we work with a lot of retailers like cap and ralph lauren and so on so they have people dedicated for quality control or uh, product compliance so that's the biggest difference uh, the other thing is even at the retailer side they have a lot of data they they even engage with their you know front end sales staff and get feedback you know in terms of quality uh, they are into different you know other kind of forums for, which talk about regulatory compliance and so on so these are the differences in terms of being having a dedicated person for such topics so that that's the biggest difference i would say further you know uh, it's also in terms of uh, the mentality of the businesses uh, retailers they take a different approach they say okay if the quality is good if the product is compliant with the regulation it's going to sell eventually in, in a better manner unlike on the amazon business side uh, the sellers are more focused on sales they are more focused on marketing while they tend to put less focus on product quality which shouldn't be the case of course i mean if the product is good definitely it will sell there will be lesser returns there will be lesser bad reviews maybe no bad reviews so i would recommend you know focus more on the product itself if the product is good your sales going to be good right and of course uh, on amazon this is specifically really very important because yeah. uh, if you get a bad rating then that's basically the end of your you know sales velocity and all exactly so, yeah yeah so exactly you know yeah go ahead now i was just saying that sometimes uh, sellers who are just starting out and they have a small volume uh, mm -hmm. of products and a small value they don't really have the profit margins to yeah. really conduct inspection so uh you know that's a that's a challenge that i see but again mm. i think that if if sellers don't even have that margin to take out mm. $300 for an inspection or you know maybe less um then they need to you know take another look at the product that they're doing yeah. and and see that if if it's really a viable product in the long yeah. term no you absolutely uh, said it right and honestly you know if i tell you a rough estimation uh from my experience in qc industry for 11 years most of the time the actual share of investment on qc and product compliance is roughly maybe 2% mm. so i think investing 2% to secure your rest of the 98% is really worth it you know you know that cost yeah yeah so what are some of the um common you know quality issues that you see can you give us some recent examples let's say of uh, uh, you know quality related issues that maybe your clients yeah. and specifically amazon sellers have encountered yeah. Yeah. So most often uh, the, the issues around quality, if you ask, is mostly about uh, the functionality of the product, uh, brand labels, logos, uh, general workmanship. They're very good at packaging because Seller Central has the packaging rules and they follow. But the actual product functionality, logos, general workmanship is something uh, they don't do so well. So those are the key uh, issues that we see very often. And again, like I said in the beginning, I think it's mainly because the expectations are not communicated well from the beginning. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So you're, of course, based in China, but Kima has operations in you know, a lot of different countries. And in fact, yes. we were in India just last yeah. week for yeah. our India sourcing trip. And uh, yeah. you know, that was really amazing. So here's yeah. a cup that I got from one of the attendees, my Australia I cup. Saw, I saw the picture. Yeah, I yeah. saw the picture. Yeah. So what are some of the differences that you see uh, you know, between China and India in terms of how quality is managed by buyers? Uh, mm-hmm. And do you see, you know, more issues in India or China or, you know, is it the same? And are the issues really different in uh-huh. India or China? Uh, okay, I, I have mixed reviews about this, uh, to be honest. Uh, look, if, if someone compares India with China in terms of production capacities, capabilities or infrastructure and automation of things, Yes, China has got an edge. But when you talk of the real human intervention, you know, the real person who is producing something or the factory owner who is talking to you to get to do the business with you, that's kind of comparable. So uh, on paper, if you see the quality uh, performance, we do a lot of analysis of the numbers uh, from the data we, we have from our clients the beyond AQL rate is still worse in India. As of now, it's, it's changing, it's getting better. But then of course, uh, you know, if you look at the whole area of things comparing India with China, I would say it's comparable. Uh, of course, you know, you have bad factories everywhere. You have good factories everywhere. It depends, again, communication. It depends how you communicate to the supplier, the factory, you know, what kind of guidelines you give them, how much you engage with them. So it, it really depends on the mutual collaboration. Uh, it depends, you know, how you focus on the continuous improvement of things with the supplier, as in the relationship with the supplier, the continuous improvement of the product itself. You have the same product again and again. And yeah, if you talk of India, especially, I would say, you know, treat the supplier more as a partner not just as a supplier, they really love to engage with their clients, with their buyers. They want to be treated nicely. I won't say, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Treat them as a partner because see, I'll tell you, China primarily is very business focused. Uh, India is more on the, you know, personal relationships. You go and see them, give them some gift when you come, you know, from your country, uh, you know, have a, some chit chat sometimes. And yeah, the, the good thing in, in India is because there's a huge population who speaks English. So it's actually easier there to communicate the uh, quality parameters, like I was telling you earlier, unlike in China, where you have to maybe translate in Chinese or have a Chinese translate along with you when you go to the factory. So like I said, it's, it's mixed review, I would say. But on paper, China is still better in a in, in few things. Okay. Interesting. In the in the broader terms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you in terms of uh, you know developing partnerships and relationships in India. I think that's just so important, and we've seen that with some of the people who were with us on the trip. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, you know, there's Margaret and Kevin. I'm sure you know them from Australia. Yeah, so yeah. They were one of the yeah. coaches on India sourcing yeah. trip. And yeah. uh, they've been sourcing from this one supplier for almost two years now. And they mm-hmm. visited the factory in Muradabad. They spent two days yeah. with the supplier yeah. and yeah. Uh, they were like treated so well. They came in, uh, they were invited to the supplier's house. They had dinner, mm-hmm. lunch with them. Yeah. 
and um, you know they they said that now we are we're almost like family. Yeah. Um, yeah. The supplier has told him, you know, next time you come to Muradabad, you have to stay in our house, and here's your yeah. bedroom, and yeah. you can come yeah. work in our office. You know, yeah. we've given you a room in the yeah. office as well to work. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's the, that's really important yeah. uh, development. Yeah, it, it it definitely works. I'll tell you just least an example from last evening. So we are going to start working with a big French uh, brand very soon. And they sent me the supplier list yesterday and uh, I was looking at the names and I, I could see some names from my beginning of my career 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, I know this guy. And I called him up. I said, you're going to work with this uh, company in France. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, time to work again. <laughs> you know, th- those things uh, really matter. You know, you grow your relationship and uh, things, things go well eventually. That's right. Totally agree with that. So in terms of, uh, you know, first of all, can you explain AQL a little bit to uh, the audience? You know, some people are very new. They might not yeah. know what it is. Yeah. yeah. So AQL is uh, ex- uh, accepted quality level. So it's a standard uh, which is accepted internationally. I'll, I can send you the link later on, which uh, you can read about. So when we do an inspection, okay, we take a sample out of the whole lot. Like take an example, you have 2000 pieces of one product. Okay, so most uh, widely used level is level two. Based on level two, we should pull out 125 pieces of that product. So it's a method of probability uh, you know, uh, calculations based on which we uh, define the accepted number of pieces and rejected number of pieces. I'll, I'll share you the link that will give a very good uh, you know, explanation of it. Okay, okay, that's cool. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about product testing now, because that's also really important, uh, especially when you're uh, dealing with products that are, you know, maybe they touch the skin or are there for babies or, you know, electrical, electronics products. So first of all, can you tell us what's the difference between testing a product and getting certified? Okay, so uh, most people actually confuse it. And thank you for asking this. Uh, Testing is something which is needed for every product. Certification depends on the product. Maybe yes, maybe no. So uh, take an example, if it's a toy, okay, you're selling an EU. Yes, you will need CE certification. Uh, but then if you are just selling a leather wallet, you just need reach testing. So uh, what we do at Kima is we ask for the product details from the seller, some very basic details, and then we tell exactly what tests are needed and if a certification needed, what, te- what certification is needed. So certification may not be needed in every case. It depends on the product itself. Okay, that makes sense. And so when exactly should the product testing done? Should it be done in the sample or should it be done once production starts? In my recommendation, uh, ideally at the beginning of the production itself. Uh, Sample... I wouldn't say for sample because of course samples are the best product they have. Maybe they'll pull out a best best sample from their showroom and they will give it to you. It's it's just gonna be passing, of course, okay? But when I say the actual production, which is of your lot, the PO that you gave to them, you get tested on that particular production in the beginning itself. Now, why I say like, take an example of leather again, okay? Uh, There are certain chemicals which creep in just when the leather is exposed to the atmosphere, okay? It's it's all chemistry. So it's better that you get it tested when the production starts. 
why at the stage of production start because if things go wrong they have enough time to change the material so i would say right at the beginning maybe 5% production pull out some pieces get them tested because it's a matter of chemicals if things go wrong they will have to change the entire material uh, from from that product unlike if you get it tested later on yeah that's a worse you, you won't have enough time to to change it okay and if you get the sample tested then that's also not very um, not. valuable because they might you know they have a different the, the, lot pass. of materials it'll yeah, pass yeah yeah okay. it will it will pass so you get your own production tested your very okay. own production tested in the beginning so does that mean that we need to get a uh, product tested for every production run uh not every production it depends normally what we recommend is get it done every year okay. the reason being many times the, the regulations get updated maybe in 6 months or a year uh the second reason why we recommend every year because maybe the factory changes something else happens in the factory uh most importantly even within the year if the material changes you change the color you add a hook you add a button you add a bead you remove a bead get it tested again you you make a slight design change get it tested again or at least have it reviewed by a lab whether you need it to be tested again or not don't take chances i'll tell you you know most people what they do is they go online you know check for things and uh, they get 15 20 different websites and they try to draw a conclusion from them i would recommend don't go online don't look for there because again amazon sellers are not technical people so the best is you talk to a lab you know we got people who are you know experts they are phd degree holders and so on they know what they are doing i mean that's our core business so we are most updated uh, with with those requirements so ask us we don't charge for any product or review for colleague uh, compliance we can tell happily without charging you anything and uh, then you can proceed if if the things are needed okay interesting so of course uh, there are different uh, certifications you know required for different regions but yeah what are some of the you know like mandatory tests and what are some mm-hmm. of the nice to have tests that sellers can consider okay when when you ask me mandatory i would say go of course for the regulation uh, related pro- uh, tests like cpsia or california prop 65 or reach or lfgb and such things anything that has to do with the regulations and the laws besides that nice to have will be like functional test uh quality test if you have a textile or a paralytic product go for color fastness or shrinkage that's like the test which cannot be done in the inspection you get them done in the lab like say uh shrinkage you know so we put the product to the actual uh, test of say three washes or maybe dry clean and we see uh, you know is that is the dimension stable or not that's actually the quality of the product it's nothing to do with the regulation okay unlike cpsia or california proxy prop 65 where we check for chemicals in that product which is to do with the regulation so regulations mandatory quality side nice to have okay that's uh, pretty um easy to understand so what about uh, you know using reports from suppliers because suppliers also have test reports for yeah, for products yeah. is that advisable uh definitely no okay. and honestly i get this question two to three times a day <laughs> uh 
few reasons. Number one, test reports from suppliers are not in the name of the seller. You have to have a test report in the name of you, your company. Number two, suppliers, they don't know what to test. They just get it tested. They also look up online. Yeah, five tests. Okay, let me get this done. Second thing, their, their, their reports are not updated. As for the regulation, sometimes maybe the report is too old. Uh, and the worst, the reports are fake sometimes. <laughs> I have seen reports with my own eyes in Canton Fair. They put up the report on their booth. XX company tested my product. And the report is like five years old. And I told this guy, like, don't you think in five years that the regulations must have been updated? And like, oh, I'm just a sales guy. I don't know. I can talk to my quality person in my factory. So this is really not advisable. Really, really not advisable. And again, like I said, those reports maybe uh, are done on the sample. Maybe it's not done on your own production. So have your own production tested, fresh. Have the report in your name, which is not fake. You get the report directly from the lab and it is most updated as per the recent regulation. Best scenario. Okay, interesting. So then what's the process of getting uh, a product test done? Okay, so with Kima, I would say it's, it's very simple. The seller simply needs to send us some details of the product, like what the product is, send us a picture, uh, what are its specifications, what is it made of, uh, what is the age group of the final user, where will you sell it, Germany, US, where, and where are you producing it? Once you give me these eight details, our lab experts will tell you exactly what are the mandatory tests or what are the good to have tests within 24 hours. Once you say, okay, I'm good with these tests, let's continue. So we will guide you to have an online account with us. You book it online, ask the factory to send the sample to our lab and we test it within five days, you have the report. Oh, that's, that's pretty easy. So then um, do you have an online form where this information needs to be sent to you or does it, should, should they just send it by email? How is it done? Anything is, uh, is okay with us. You can do it online or you can just send it to uh, the email and uh, both things are possible. Okay. So we'll put this information on the sure. podcast page so that sure. people have access to it. So yeah, sure. because that's very helpful because many times, uh, you know, sellers don't really know which certifications mm -hmm. and which tests they need for specific products. So something yeah. like this will be very helpful where, you know, they can get all of this information uh, yeah. from, yeah. from HEMA, which really specializes in this. So yeah. that's very helpful. So approximately how much does a product test cost? You know, just range. Uh, that's again a question I get twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of don't want to say a number to this because I tell you what, look, if you have a pen, okay, a normal pen with just white color, you know, body made of say some plastic, maybe hundred dollars, you add one color, something adds up, you add another color, add a button to it, add some other accessory, keeps changing. So like I said, the, the things I asked uh, just now, the eight details of the product, why we ask? Because based on those details, we define, okay, this product will need these tests. So let me explain. Product name. What is a product? So we look at the category. Okay, is it a toy or is it a general consumer item and what? Picture. We want to see what it looks like. 
is does it have too many colors or some design aspect which uh, can be coming under some regulation like say if it's a toy and has a sharp edge okay as for the cpsia the sharp edges test uh, has to be uh, taken care of uh, so picture materials it is made of so we want to know what kind of plastic is it uh, what kind of stainless steel is it uh, you know different materials because based on different materials uh, different chemicals could be involved okay now when we ask what is the use of the product take an example a kitchen product okay we want to know what part of a bottle comes in contact with the food okay or even if it's a watch okay we want to know which side of the watch will come in contact with the skin right so and then the age group of the user is it going to be used by children okay so we want to know because for children there are different other regulations if it's uh, for children under 36 months different regulations okay if you are and then we ask for the final market if you are selling in germany kitchenware you need lfgb if you are selling uh, children's products in uh, california different regulations so based on these these details we have to make sure what regulations uh, are to be followed what are the tests under under those regulations test methods for those tests and that's why it is hard for us to tell a range or even one number okay for toys x amount of dollars it's it's very hard for us to say because every product is unique in in its own sense and amazon sellers love to make you know their products very unique every time they want to solve problems for people so they make very unique products and things change right so if someone asks the number very hard to say and i, I don't want to comment on the number i have seen cases when you know people tell us some details we bring a number on the rough estimation and later on they change the product something changes and the sample arrives at the, at the lab and some more tests are added and they are in a shock oh you added x amount of dollars more what happened so i i don't want to shock people later on okay so it could range from couple of hundred to couple of thousand dollars yeah right? i would say it's not too expensive like i said yeah. earlier normally qc and uh, lab testing would not be like maybe 2 or 3% of your total cost of of your of your shipment so it's not too high but yeah i mean we can tell in advance you uh, once you finalize your product send us the details you get the review for free if we don't charge for the review then you make your choice okay makes sense so um that was product test testing so next let's talk about inspections because that's mm-hmm. of course uh, another very important aspect uh, in our related to product quality mm-hmm. so first of all you know what are the different types of inf- inspections that there are mm-hmm. um and when is each of them done okay so inspections uh, can be done at any stage of the production uh, we call one as initial production check ipc which is done at the very beginning under 20% production stage then uh, during production check which is from 20 to 80% uh, production stage and pre shipment inspection which people call as also final inspection that can be done when more than 80% goods are ready and packed and the last one is called container loading check uh if you are not sure whether the supplier will you know stuff it correctly in the container you want to get the container itself you know seen before uh, the goods are loaded so that is container loading check uh, this is most commonly asked uh, by people who have very fragile products they want them to be stuffed correctly and nicely in the in the container 
So that's asked. Now, going back to the different stages of production and the inspections we do, uh, most common is final inspection. Even today, even the big companies we work with, they ask for pre-shipment inspection. But in some cases, we also do during production check. Now, this is something uh, good to have. The reason being, if you do an inspection, maybe 20, 30%, 40% production stage, you find some problems, you have good amount of time to you know, uh, rectify those problems with the supplier and have a final pro production done in a, in a better manner. So if you have budget to spend one man day in the, in a, in a, during the production uh, of, of, your, of your product, it's good to do. It's good to do. Okay. So most of the larger brands, I guess, you know, or people, uh, retailers, brands that are sourcing in higher volumes, um, they're mostly also doing pre-shipment inspection, right? And then some of them are doing um, during product. Yes, right? yes. By and large, they do pre-shipment inspections. Uh, during production check, they ask sometimes. Otherwise, at least they are doing with their uh, own uh, internal QCs or maybe with their factory uh, QCs. But if the product is uh, a very precision product or a high quality product, uh, then they ask us also. Okay. And Amazon sellers, of course, mostly by and large, they just do pre-shipment inspection. Yes, that's correct. Okay. So, um, you know, what kind of uh, rejection rates have you seen for inspection specifically related to, you know, Amazon sellers? Is the rejection rate very high or is it low or is it, you know, average? Mm, okay. Let me first define rejection itself. Mm -hmm. uh, in our business, we only pass or fail a product uh, inspection. We go to the factory, we do the inspection, based on the findings, based on the AQL uh, standards, we pass or fail. The rejection, as you asked, or the approval is done by our client, the seller. So there are two numbers actually. If you ask me pass or fail uh, numbers, it is different. If you ask me approve or rejection numbers, it's different. Uh, I don't have the numbers on, on my screen right now, but uh, if I remember correctly, roughly 60% would be like fail. Wow, that's a significant amount. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can pull out the numbers for you later on, the exact numbers, but yeah. what I recall uh, approximately is like 60% is fail. Okay. Yeah. And then what happens when uh, the inspection fails? Like what is the next step? Then you go to the client and then the client makes yeah. a call, right? Yeah. So, so when we uh, fail an inspection, of course, the report goes to the, our client, the seller, and they take a call. Um, if it is viable commercially, they still approve it. If they really say uh, very gross uh, deviations, then they reject it and they ask the factory to rework. Now here is an important thing. And, I would really ask attention of every seller here. Make sure you get the inspection done minimum three days before the shipment. Mm -hmm. Minimum. The reason is there will be something wrong each time and you should have good amount of days to see the report, to take a decision and even tell the factory, discuss with them for the rework. I have seen a lot of, sell, a lot of suppliers and they, are, they, they play a lot of good tricks. They... You know, tell the seller, oh, the product is not ready yet, not ready yet, not ready yet. At the last 11th hour, they say, okay, now we can do the inspection. 
they don't want to give you enough time to to uh, you know to ask them to do the rework they really want you to just let it go it happens it happens with amazon sellers it happened with the with the largest clients also the suppliers they like to play these tricks especially with small sellers they think okay this seller will come today and you know he'll ask for 1000 pieces and he's not going to come tomorrow so let me just get rid of this guy you know, so they just want to do everything in hanky panky and you know get things uh, done in a quicker way mm -hmm. so okay. make sure you do the inspection at least 3 days in advance before the shipment goes out and again put it in the supplier contract again that rework reinspection if asked will be paid by them also put it in the contract that they should not ship out until you give your decision on the report sometimes sellers say oh the inspection company passed it even if he passed the report have a thorough you know review of the report it's no harm you know we give a very detailed report with lots and lots of pictures and data to give you the real picture what what we saw so have a thorough review first then you give you give your approval and then let them ship it out okay makes sense so is there a minimum order value or volume for a pre-shipment inspection because sometimes sellers they um you know are placing very small orders and they don't really have margins for an inspection so mm. you know what should these sellers do if if they're placing very small orders okay uh i would say there is no minimum to this uh, even if you order 200 pieces you should do it now that's a difference uh, we were talk talking earlier about amazon sellers and the retailers retailers don't think twice when it comes to quality or or compliance because look as i said earlier 2% or some percent of your cost is securing your other investment in that business okay so you have to make sure that nothing goes wrong with quality the product complies with the with the requirements and the regulations so that nothing goes wrong later on because i'll i'll give you a simple example uh a leather wallet okay or let's say a, a toy okay now you sell a toy first of all if you don't do a quality control inspection maybe there'll be scratches bad you know color packaging is not right very bad experience in, in the hands of the customer when he first receives it second let's go to the testing part regulation part if the product fails if something is uh, very hazardous for the customer really really bad repercussion you might have a recall you may be sued you will have really really bad review so i don't think you know it's it's worth enough to skip this when your whole business is 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 lying is is relying on this right totally makes right. sense and i think increasingly Amazon is getting more strict in terms of oh, yes. quality and compliance oh, yes. and everything. So yeah, moving forward, yeah. this is going to be, um, yeah. you know, extremely we, very we work, important. Yeah, exactly. We work very closely with Amazon itself. We are Amazon approved, by the way. And I'm myself involved with Amazon uh, office also. They randomly pick up goods. I remember one specific call from a UK seller. And the guy called me like, crazy hours even in the uk time he was calling me raul my goods are stuck in the europe warehouse of amazon they have flagged it they're asking me for testing reports i have none and the guy was told either you give us the reports or we dispose of every single piece within 4 days think of that situation yeah 
So have it, you know, tested, have the testing reports, not just for Amazons that they could flag and you provide them, but in a general way, I would, you know, I would take this as a, as a conscience thought also, you know, think of your own life. Think of if you would use that product, if your loved ones would use that product, would you, would you like a, an unsafe product in your own hands? No. Think, think, think as yourself as a customer and then you decide. Right. Makes sense. So in terms of inspections, you know, what is like the basic process of, uh, mm -hmm. let's say, a pre-shipment inspection? How is it mm -hmm. done? Can you just walk us through the process from start to end? Sure, sure. So to begin with, uh, I would say have a checklist done of the product. Define a good checklist. Uh, what I mostly recommend the sellers is think again, think yourself as a customer. So if you're selling a toy, think of that toy. What do you really look in that toy? Okay. You, you, you want to have it in good color, good shape, you know, label should be fine, color should be okay, it should function well as it has to be, the look and feel should be nice. So jot down those points which you would look for as an actual customer, okay? Then, uh, of course, you can contact uh, Kima or any uh, inspection company and ask them for their inputs because we got a lot of experience, of course, in uh, inspection. So we have our own checklist and we can help you to further finalize it. So in terms of Kima, if you ask, uh, we have the checklist uh, of more than a thousand different products. We do for many different clients in many different countries, more than 85 countries uh, we cover. So we have experience, uh, a lot of experience in different products. So we can help you with finalize, finalizing the checklist. Once the checklist is finalized, number one, like I said earlier, share it with the factory. Tell them that this is a checklist we have and when the inspection guys come in, this is what will be followed, okay? So have the checklist done, book the inspection, uh, you know, at least three days in advance before the shipment uh, has to go, okay? And very important, have an approval sample on site for the inspector so that he can compare with it, okay? This is important. So that the, 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 the inspector, when he goes to the factory, he has a sample in hand, he can compare with it and follow the checklist accordingly. Okay. Uh, other thing is have all the technical documents like say measurement charts, technical specifications, pictures, everything, have it ready in advance, give it to the factory, give it to the inspection company also. Okay. This, this helps for creating a nice inspection protocol for the inspector. So the inspector will go to the factory after you book and the sample will be chosen randomly. Like I told earlier, out of 2000, say an example, we'll choose 125 randomly from different uh, you know corner of the heap so this is this is actually interesting okay when some companies like say sourcing company or the factory itself they do the inspection even when you are there okay now amazon sellers this, the, the new ones they don't know they will pull out pieces from the first outer you know layer of the cartons okay because they try to hide the defective goods in the center or they just keep them away what we do is we have a sampling uh, method wherein we go into the every single possible corner and we pull out samples from those, you know, deepest corners of the lot. Yeah, okay. that's, that's interesting. So, um, yeah, I mean, suppliers would, would tend to, you know, <laughs> just kind of uh, show you the good, the good products, yeah, right. And then yeah, hide the yeah. defects and all. So there has to be a method to doing that. 
So, okay, that's really interesting. Um, so how much does, you know, an inspection cost approximately? Okay, so I'll, I'll tell you exactly, not just approximately. Uh, for any place in China, India, Vietnam, Bangladesh, Thailand, and some other Asian countries, the price is 309 US dollars per mandate, all-inclusive. When I say all-inclusive, it includes the travel cost of the inspector, if it is multiple mandate inspection, all the accommodation, his food and everything. You don't pay anything extra. No, ma no matter where it is in China, where it is in India or Thailand or uh, Vietnam or Bangladesh and so on. So we give you one all-inclusive price anywhere in that country. Okay, that's really good. And um, of course, all the, the booking can be done online. So yes, it's yes. Very, very easy to do. It's very easy to do. So uh, the client has an account with us. They can simply go online on their laptop or any com public computer also, even on a phone, by the way. So while people these days are in trade shows and suddenly, like, oh, my production is ready. Let me get an inspection done. Very easy. Pull out your phone. You have our app, log in there and you book an inspection while you're walking down the show. Okay. So apart from inspections, um, you know, testing, what other services does Kima offer? So uh, we also do factory audits and this is something new that has come that has come in Amazon FBA business. It's already there with Amazon's own private label business. Uh, many uh, sellers have started asking us for ethical audits. So when I say ethical audits, we check for social compliance uh, details like there should be no child labor, there should be no forced labor, uh, minimum wages should be paid. Uh, there should be no harassment in the factory. There should be no, you know, obscenely bad uh, overtime in the factory and so on. So we have uh, certain protocols that we follow. We have one protocol that we have developed out of our own experience and the best practices in the, in the industry. And we also follow international standards like SMETA or SEDEX or BSCI. So those are the audits that we do in terms of ethical compliance. Besides that, we also do manufacturing audit. Uh, this is interesting, especially um, if the seller is not sure whether the factory is good enough for them or not. So maybe, you know, you walk around the Canton Fair or some show in Hong Kong and you choose two or three suppliers, but then you still, you're not able to go there. Okay. So on behalf of you, we can visit the factory, do a thorough audit on them for the full day. So we check how many people they have. How many machines do they have? Are the machines working or not? Yes, it happens. Machines are shown, but they're not working in the pictures. Uh, what kind of licenses do they have? Do they have a QA team internally? Do they have a R&D team? Do they follow Lean or Kaizen and so on? So it's a very thorough audit, which you call as manufacturing audit. Uh, besides this, uh, one thing I should mention here, Amazon acquired a company recently called Souq, S-O-U-Q, in uh, Middle East. So they sell in Saudi Arabia also, and that's something we actually uh, help for sellers who are selling in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we have a service called SASO certification service. So SASO is basically a certification uh, program in Saudi Arabia. So any product which is exported to Saudi Arabia has to go through this compliance uh, program. So we are one of the approved third party certification company for SASO compliance also. So if there are sellers who want to sell in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, we can help them as well for this. Okay. 
And then you're, of course, in a lot of different countries, right? How many countries are you in? Uh, As of today, we are in more than 85 countries. So just to give you a total glimpse of the coverage, uh, Hong Kong is our head office. Then we have got another office and lab in Hong Kong. So we have two locations in Hong Kong itself. Then we have office in Shenzhen, where I sit. We have offices in Hangzhou, which is also a lab. There is another office in Hangzhou. And then there are a few other offices in China, India, uh, Bangladesh, uh, Middle East, Americas, and Europe. So we have 20 offices globally. And then we have our own employees uh, who work on the ground, inspectors and auditors in different countries. So if you have tomorrow, you think of production in Poland, we are there. If you thought think of buying fabrics from Italy, we are there. If you want to buy a garment from Haiti, we are there. South Africa, yes, we work in in, in a lot of African countries too. Interesting. So what's uh, what's Kima's background? Like how did the company start? And you also rebranded recently to Kima, yes. right? You yes. were Asia Inspection earlier. Right. So tell us a little bit about that. Why did you sure. do that? So, so we actually started 17 years ago. Our CEO and founder, Sebastian Prato, uh, he actually had his own trading company earlier. And he used to face a lot of challenges with QC and know going after third parties to get the QC done so he thought let's let me serve the industry and you know let me start a company for QC so that's how uh, he started Asia inspection back then in Hong Kong and further expanded Uh, speaking of the rebranding which we did in December 2018 uh, the key reasons uh, why we changed the name to Kima one we of course we wanted a shorter name Asia inspection was a bit longer for people to even spell uh, the second thing was because it got confusing for, for clients and uh, people because we don't do only inspection and we don't do only in Asia. We are you know, more than Asia and we are more than inspection. So eventually we, we then uh, rebranded to Kima in December 2018. Okay, makes sense. So um, of course there are a lot of different inspection companies out there and you know especially in China you can get an inspection done for you know $80 as well you can have individual mm-hmm. inspectors too so mm-hmm. what do you think is um, you know the USP of Kima like how are you different from other inspection companies in China and India okay to to, to begin with you know I'll just put one thing uh, it's, it's different when you get a car checked by a driver than having it checked by an automobile engineer. Yeah. Number one. Uh, number two, uh, we are Amazon approved. So even Amazon trusts us well. We are members of the Amazon service provider network. If you go and sell a central and look for the uh, service providers, you will find us there. So we have to all the understanding of Amazon requirements that the sellers uh, you know, need to comply with. Uh, the next thing would be our speed of service. So if you ask us for inspection, even day after tomorrow, we are more than happy to do it without question ask. 48 hours, we are on site anywhere you ask us, anywhere in the world. Uh, you get the report the same day. Okay, Even the lab testing reports you get within four days. Uh, we are talking about online access. You're walking the show, you want inspection, just simply book the inspection. You don't need to call someone in China, you know, struggle with the language barrier, send an email which might be read after, you know, maybe six hours, eight hours, 12 hours. You don't need all of, all of that. It's very easy for us, for you to, you know, order our services. Global coverage, like I told you, not just China. Business is changing. There are tariffs. There are other problems in, in 
in the business today. You want to move out of China. You want inspection to be done in India or Vietnam or Bangladesh or South Africa, Swaziland, anywhere. We are there. Pricing, like I said. Now, when you say $80 uh, in some cases or 100 there are problems there. One, they would add travel fee or other fee later on. You get shocks when you see the real invoice later on. Two, most of these companies don't have the proper accreditations. They don't have the licenses. Now we have ISO 17020. We are members of IFIA. We are uh, licensed by AQSIQ. Okay. And then we just don't rely on one person who is doing the inspection. When you order an inspection, there are so many people involved. Let me just quickly brief you out how it works. When you book an inspection on our website, an email first comes to me, okay, being an account manager for you. I will know you ordered for the inspection, this product, this uh, date, blah, blah, blah. An email will go to the actual factory where the inspection has to happen. They have to confirm online that they are ready on that date at that address. An email goes to our operations team in the back office who check all the technical details which you upload, pictures, specifications, everything. Okay. They will make sure that all the details that they need to create the protocol is right. If nothing, if something is missing, they come back to you. There is another team called coordination team. These guys talk to the fact if they don't respond on the, on the first email, they call them up, make sure that they are ready. If they don't, uh, you know, respond, we again come back to you. If they want to change the date, we come back to you. Then everything is done. Everything is ready. An inspection protocol is created by another team. This protocol is sent to the inspector. He goes in the morning, does the inspection, sends a report to the back office. Then there is another team called report approval team. They make sure that the requirements that you asked were all correctly checked. The report is uh, you know, finalized and then it is sent to the client. You. So if you actually see, it's just not one inspector doing the job. There are so many different people taking care of your inspection order. So that matters. You know, that really matters. Even later on, you have a question, oh, uh, I saw this thing in the report, but I have further follow-up question. No problem. Come back to us. We still have that guy. He's not a freelancer working with us who goes away after one month and we have no clue. Everything is in a central database. The guy is still with us full-time and we can ask him questions, follow up with him. You know, so we are a professionally run inspection company trusted by so many global companies. And it's a privately owned company managed by many people. So I would say we are much more professional than the rest. And that's why more and more even Amazon sellers are coming to us to use us. Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And of course, the fact that you're in so many different countries, it makes it, uh, you know, easier. Yeah. And, um, you know, you offer all of the services related yeah. to quality control and inspection. Yeah. That's true. And, and even for the different products, like uh, we, I hardly can count any product in my room right now, which we cannot inspect. The Coke, which I'm drinking, the tissue papers I have, my phone, my desk, my chair, my uh, AC, everything. We can inspect more than thousand different products, even food. We also inspect food products. We also inspect fresh produce. Like if you have apples being imported from India, we can go and check them as well. Wow. Okay. That's yes. pretty exhaustive. So one issue that is of course very prevalent in the industry is getting kickbacks, like inspectors getting kickbacks from the factory yeah. to yeah. pass uh, you know, inspections. 
So yeah. do you see that issue, you know, getting more serious now or is it getting, you know, less? And how do you deal with that issue? Glad you asked. And uh, I would not be happy if you didn't ask me. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, I would be lying if I said it doesn't happen. It still happens. It happens in every country. Believe me, it happens uh, in North America also. We have seen cases. Uh, so it is... It's still there. I, I can't say it's increasing or decreasing, but it's still there. I can say it definitely. Now, how we at Kima deal with it, uh, and this is funny part, and uh, I work with three different big companies before Kima, uh, uh, before I moved to China. And I was surprised that those companies never thought of this solution. Look, bribery and those kickbacks are all related to money. So what Kima does is we fight money with money. So how we do it, we do it in different steps. Number one, we pay our inspectors a little higher than the industry averages. Okay, that's number one. We pay them certain bonus per report, but we don't pay them immediately. We hold that bonuses from them, uh, maybe quarter or once in six months, we pay them based on the performance and other KPIs. On the side, uh, every inspector, by the way, I missed that point about the training and expertise. All the inspectors have minimum of three to five years experience, but no matter what, if they have even 20 years experience, we put them to trainings online and also on the ground. Okay. Now that's a beginning of their career with Kima when they are put to first trainings. And even later on, they get trainings quite often, you know, maybe once in 10 days or 15 days, they have a training online. We have an e-learning system in the company. Even I am put to such trainings. We go through the training, we learn everything for half an hour and then immediately it is followed up by a test. Okay. Then those tests, the marks that the inspector gets in those tests, these are connected to their bonuses. Okay. So that's how, of course, we keep them motivated enough that they are being paid well. They have bonuses. They have different KPI incentives where, which they can earn. The next, uh, the actual situation, if you talk of say a factory, offers some money to an inspector. So the first thing that the inspector has to do is he has to click a picture, okay? And he keeps that money to, uh, at the table for that moment so that his work is not affected. He continues with his job first. Evening, he gives back the money and he sends a picture back to the office to report it, okay? If things are found that the factory was really at fault, we reward the inspector with some bonus on that. Now, that is on the inspector part. Now. Like I said, we would be lying if things don't happen in our company. We still have such situations. Of course, we, uh, we have human beings working with us, not robots. So if, we, if the factory says, okay, we, we have an inspector asking for bribe, we have an hotline number and a hotline email address where the factory can immediately call up or send an email and we will immediately replace the inspector. Okay. So we safeguard the, these factories also on, on their uh, terms. Every morning when an inspector goes to a factory to do the inspection, there are certain papers signed on code of conduct. Both the inspector and the factory representative, they, they both sign it and the, that number is there. So the factory has, uh, is always intimated in the morning itself that this is the number you need to call on if you see a problem. So, like I said, you know, we have zero tolerance policies and so on. I was uh, sitting in compliance trainings in my past companies and literally I used to sleep, honestly. <laughs> Those are boring. 
they tell one hour of all these uh, jargons of HR and compliance. I don't care. I, I used to sleep. But now I see like, yeah, it makes sense. If you fight money with money, it, it, it really makes a difference. And proudly, I can say we, we don't have very high rates of such issues. Unlike the companies I work for earlier. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. So yeah, I strongly recommend, um, you know, all Amazon sellers to use Kima for sure. And of course, Rahul, you're always, you know, in all of our Facebook groups and at the Global Sources Summit as well. So I like that you're very approachable and people can, you know, just email you and reach out to you on Facebook or wherever we chat if they have any questions. So, you know, thanks a lot for that. So how can um, people book an inspection with Kima, uh, and do you want to give your email address or maybe tell people where they can go uh, and book inspections? Sure, sure. Of course, I'm always approachable 18 hours a day until I sleep. So <laughs> they can always they can always email me. My email address is simple, rahul.chavla at kima.com. Uh, you can find me easily on Facebook or WeChat anytime. And yeah, you can simply register an account on our website and uh, I will activate it for you and uh, good to go. Yeah, anytime. so just to... Uh, to spell it out a little bit for people who yeah. don't know, you know. So. so my name is spelled as Rahul, R-A-H-U-L, R for Rome, A for Alpha, H for Hawaii, U for Umbrella, L for Love, dot Chavla, C for China, H for Hawaii, A for Apple, W for Woman, L for Love, A for Alpha, at Kima.com, question India, mother alpha.com. Yeah, Q-I-M-A. Q-I-M-A, yeah. yeah. I'll also put the email address in the show notes, of course, um, sure. on the podcast page. Sure, sure. Okay, awesome. Hey, Rahul, thank you so much for talking to me today. And uh, I finally got you on after, (laughs) I think, months of asking you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's it's been great talking to you. You've shared such a lot of great information. So thank Thank you you so much for your time. And I'll see you around. Thank you for having me. Thank you. See you around. Bye. Bye.